It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Friday night, 7 p.m. It is the preview episode of Shout, a Buffalo Bills football podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Whether you're celebrating at home or away this weekend, and I know most of you are going to be at the game probably, so you're probably going to be in Orchard Park. There's two really good tops in Orchard Park, by the way. The one that's right by the stadium on Southwestern and the other one that's on, um, uh, there's another one down a mile strip, I think. I'm telling you, right? I don't know what's going on, but every time I go to these tops in Orchard Parks, they're they're beautiful. They're plushes and uh, they're plush. I should say they're they're just vivacious. And uh, you go in there. There's all the aisles. I don't know. It's so inviting, inviting. I, I don't know if it's just because, you know, you know, we're, we're excited about uh, the season and all the offerings that they have. But tops has all your fan favorites ready to enjoy for football, entertaining or any occasion. Get over to tops this weekend. We got a football game to cover here, Ryan. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And if you do stop by Tops, maybe pick up a poncho or two because there's some rain in the forecast for Sunday, Matt. So I, I think those diehard fans are going to be sitting through some rain possibly, but that's A-OK. They're the most diehard fan base in sports, so I'm sure they're going to be packed to capacity and ready to cheer no matter what. So not only are there going to be elements, there's probably going to be some wind. There's going to be the 12th man. The mafia is going to be rocking in that place. Davis Mills is walking into a really, really difficult first NFL road start. And that's where I want to start. We're going to talk about Davis Mills as we move through the program. And as I've spent more time looking at him and I've come away a little bit more impressed maybe than I was on Wednesday. Initially, I'd taken a quick look at the Carolina game. He's dealing with some offensive line issues. I think that there are some things to like, but I think in this matchup, you look at where I think this thing starts. And I think it starts up front. And I think this Bills defensive line, you know, they had that week where they broke out against Miami. And I thought last week against the Taylor Heineke and this Washington team, they didn't get uh, as much pressure as I think that they would have liked as a group in terms of finishing. But check out the stat, Ryan. The Carolina Panthers have the number one pressure percentage in the NFL right now at 44.2%. Number two, the Buffalo Bills at 33.9%. The offensive line issues up front I think that that matchup is a big key matchup in this game. How do the Houston Texans block for Davis Mills? I don't care how fast he gets the ball out of his hands. He's probably going to be dealing with some pressure with this Bills front. Yeah, listen, he was sacked four times last week in that Carolina game. He's not going to be one of these savvy quarterbacks that gets rid of the ball within the, you know 2.3 seconds like we saw with Roethlisberger in week one. He's going to be that guy that probably holds it a little bit longer, trying to make plays, wait for guys to get open. Uh, especially against a, a Bills team that's most likely going to be able to put up a lot of points against this Houston Texans defense, which we'll talk about a little bit later. So when you're trying to you know, you know stay neck and neck with Josh Allen in this offense, it, it's going to have to be through the air with this Texans team, and I just don't see how Davis Mills is going to do it. One first road career, uh, first career road game, much like Taylor Heineke last week. Two, you have the elements that we talked about, and then you're going against one of the best Bills defenses that we have seen in the, under Leslie Frazier, I think, in his entire tenure here. 
Yeah, and I've I've found it interesting on the other side of the ball. We talk about the what the you know the the Texans are going to deal with when they have the ball. You know, when the Bills have the ball, I, I figure it's probably a little bit more of a scary situation for David Culley watching this tape. You know, one of the things that surprised me coming out of Houston this week, and I think that maybe the messaging has been a little bit, um, you know, missed. Uh, on this side of things, we've seen a lot of focus around Josh as the runner. And I think when people, when other teams say this at this point, it's not so much focusing in on his ability to run. I just think it's more about the fact that because he's so successful and dynamic when he runs, that's what I think really puts fear in a teams. Listen, you're going to go up against probably te- a handful of passers in this league, maybe, you know, five, six, seven, depending on who you want to throw in that bucket that, you know, as a, as a pass defense, you're going to have a day, you're going to be tested all day long. But when you throw that other element in, you know, Aaron Rodgers is not going to beat you very often or as consistently as Josh Allen does with his legs. And I think that that just gets teams on high alert. They've been talking about that all this week. And you know, the, the Josh Allen, that David Culley remembers was the, the quarterback, his rookie season that was running for his life half the time because he didn't trust himself yet as a passer. That's not the player that they're going to play this week. And I, I think that they know that, but I think that they're also hyper aware of his ability to run with it. Yeah, I think that's well said. I did a radio spot today in Houston, and they were talking about uh, Allen taking off and running with the ball. And they said, you know, that's not really the 2021 Josh Allen. That was early in his career when if the first read wasn't there and there was some pressure in his face, that was his instinct, take off and run. Now he only runs when it's a designed run from Brian Dable. And we do see a lot of those dialed up or two, you know, he just feels like there's no other option left. And that's the best option available on the table. We saw him run for a touchdown last week. We've seen him a few times this year, pick up seven yards on third and six with his legs. If guys are covered, if things are shielded, but his first instinct is not to take off and run anymore. It's not uh, going to be, I I need to do this all on my own. He is going to try to get the ball to his receivers. He's going to try to hit those players quickly. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, if he has to take off, yes, he will. And teams like the Texans, they like you said, they know he's a threat. They know that he can hurt you with the legs, but that's not the kind of quarterback he is anymore. No. And, you know, I think that going into this one, the Houston secondary, first of all, another stat that I thought was interesting, the Houston Texans lead the NFL right now in missed tackles. Which, you know, you, you start talking about that, getting this, you, you probably focus in initially on the running game. We're going to get to some guys that are going to be out in this game that I think can have an impact on both sides. But, you know, Zach Moss, a guy that I think has, has started to earn that, uh, you know, that, you know, he wanted to pass out business cards when he got drafted. That's the kind of uh, way that that's the way that he wanted teams to perceive him. And I think he's played up to that to this point. And now that he's starting to earn that respect, you go up against a defense that's struggling to make tackles. And I think that that's an area of concern for the Houston Texans. But also, you know, they got three or four or five playmakers in the passing game that with the ball in their hands, if you don't make that first tackle when they get out in space, I mean, we're talking about house calls. Yeah, you know, it's funny because we were talking about what we're going to talk about tonight on the rundown, and I think the run game could have a really sneaky performance. Moss and Devin Singletary. Singletary can make you miss two in a phone booth. And with a team that already struggles to tackle, I think both guys can have a lot of success. Uh, depending on the looks and the fronts that the Texans kind of throw out at the Bills, especially on Sunday. But then you just mentioned the wide receivers. You know, if they, if they can get out in open space, it can be a really long afternoon for these Texans uh, defensive players. I think that's going to be the case. I I was watching some of the highlights of their game against the Panthers 
and wanted to see why DJ Moore played so well in it. It was just pretty much there were these huge zones and areas for the players to sit and get open, and the safeties are playing so far back mm. uh, in, in this system that I could see Stefan Diggs catching the ball, having five or ten yards to run, and then being able to make a guy miss and really take it to the house. Same thing with Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities despite the rain, despite possibly some wind in this game for the receivers to do a lot of damage as well. It's just kind of wild to see how far back the safeties are playing in this defense. They're not moving up when, when uh, they're not showing great instincts, I guess is the best way of putting it. When the ball might be coming in the air their way, they're letting the guys get open, create some yards after the catch and then trying to make the tackle. And that's just a poor combination in terms of what we could see on Sunday against these bills wide receivers. Mm-hmm. And I think you wrote about it. that Stefan Diggs is, you know, your breakout candidate this week. And we talked about him in, in pretty good detail on Wednesday and how that could kind of be coming. Um, I thought it was interesting. We talked to Emmanuel Sanders on Thursday, a guy that's seen so much in this league at 34 years old. He's played with elite wide receivers. I mean, as recently as last year with Michael Thomas. And he said, listen, Steph's going to have plenty of breakout games. Trust me. The mm-hmm. guy works his butt off. He and Josh have great chemistry and it's going to come. And he told them this week, it's going to be a couple games where it's just like you explode on the scene. And I could see way more than a couple games. We all know that's going to come by the way that he works and the way that he goes about his business. But I feel for him at the same time with what he's going through right now, because it's kind of been slow going at the beginning of the season, because it's like, when is it going to come? When is it going to come? But in speaking with him, Sanders said, I told him that you can't force it. The moment that you force it, it's never going to come. You've just got to let the game come to you. And he understands that. And I could see it coming here soon. And, you know, we've talked so much about Diggs being there for Josh Allen. We're also seeing the really, really great impact of a vet like Emmanuel Sanders in the room, even for an all pro like Stefan Diggs, just a guy that you kind of lean your, your, your elbow on the shoulder and just say, man, uh, it's not going right. And, and, and a guy that could kind of be there for you and just, you know, be somebody good in your ear. Yeah. And that's important to have. And listen, uh, you know, Stefan Diggs had a lot of he had a reputation when he came over from Minnesota and none of that has been true in Buffalo. He was great this week when he said, you know, as long as the offense and the team is having success, I don't really mind about my individual stats. And, and I believe that. Now, mind you, th- there's going to be opportunities where he gets open. He wants the ball. That's what every great wide receiver uh, has done in the history of football. So he's going to you know, there's going to be moments like that. And I think they're going to be coming. I think this matchup against Houston it is a really good opportunity for him to go over 100 yards for the first time this season. It'll be a great way to kind of get him uh, psyched up and ready for that Kansas City Chiefs game the following week. I, I really think that, uh, you, you know, you don't want to overlook the Texans. You don't want to say that there's no chance that they're going to pull off this upset. But th- this just feels like a, a good week for the Bills to try some things out to get ready for that big matchup the following week against Kansas City. All right, let's get into who is not going to be playing uh, this weekend uh, because there's a pretty lengthy injury report on both sides. Uh, Danny Amendola is out for the Texans. He's dealing with a thigh injury, hasn't practiced all week. Uh, Also out for this game, running back Scotty Phillips. Deshaun Watson obviously continues to be out. Uh, Garrett Wallow, the linebacker, and defensive back Terrence Mitchell are both questionable, but Ryan... We got big news here in the last couple hours before we went live. Uh, Ross Ross Blacklock, uh, I'd call him probably the third defensive tackle, uh, and, and also uh, Cunningham, Zach Cunningham, mm-hmm. their number two linebacker. He plays alongside Christian Kirksey. I tweeted out 
90% of snack, snaps, leading the team in tackles. They are both placed on the COVID reserve list, which means they will not play this week. And man, it, you're talking about a team that's already struggling to make tackles. To lose your top tackler at the at the, you know the the last minute here, that's a that's a tough blow for this Texans team. Oh, it's a huge blow for this team. You you mentioned ninety percent of the snaps, um, leading tackler. This team has issues as is, so that that's a big loss for them. Uh, Blacklock, you know, he's the number three defensive tackle in that rotation, but still a very young guy that they have high hopes for. Uh, was just in the draft a few years back, uh, TCU guy. I remember Jerry Hughes was pretty excited about him when he was coming out. So those are two talented players to come into this game without, but. Obviously, Cunningham is a severe blow for this team at the linebacker position. On the Bills side, uh, some concerning news this morning when Sean McDermott went on WGR announcing that uh, John Feliciano, who suffered a concussion this week during practice, and Jordan Poyer, who had an ankle injury at the end uh, of last week's game against Washington, both are out this week. And so that, you know, we're going to get into what this could potentially look like replacing those guys. Uh, questionable Effie Obata. He was inactive next last week. I'd imagine still dealing with some injury issues. Uh, now it's an ankle. It was a calf last week. I'd imagine he'll be out. And then Taron Johnson could potentially be a huge absence uh, because of how well he's played early on the se- season. He's questionable with a groin injury. Saran Neal, likely his backup. I'd imagine they'll probably call up Cam Lewis tomorrow off the practice squad for some depth. But, you know, without Jordan Poyer, you're looking at Jaquan Johnson. And without John Feliciano, you're probably looking at Ike Butker. Both of those decisions still yet to be made, according to Sean McDermott. Yeah, you know, let's let's start with the guys that we know are out. Uh, Jordan Poyer, I, I said today on the Houston Radio Spot, I said I think he's probably the most underrated safety in the NFL. He just doesn't get the respect that a lot of these players who put up stats, who put who are productive the last what handful of years, uh, he's just never talked about in the same breath as these top tier guys. So it is a big loss to be without him in this game now. Thankfully, the Bills are going against a very inexperienced quarterback. Uh, they, they do have Micah Hyde back there still. They still have uh, some pretty good outside cornerbacks. And, and then they have a guy in Jaquan Johnson who's been in the system for a few years now. And, and I feel like when he's received opportunities, he's done pretty well with those opportunities. I can go back uh, to a game a few years ago. I want to say it was maybe a start for him, his first start. Uh, due to injuries, and he had an interception in a, in a game against, I want to say the Jets, but it was called back on a really dumb penalty where uh, the Bills had this blindside block on a, on a running back or something happened right before the interception where it got called back. But he shined in that moment. Last week when he got on the field, uh, T- Taylor Heineke tries to take off again and run with the ball, and he, he looked like he was shot out of a can in the way he ran across that field and popped Heineke and knocked him out of bounds short of the goal line. Uh, pretty much saying, you know, I saw you do it once earlier in the game from the sidelines. I wasn't going to let you do it again, essentially. So I have confidence in Jaquan Johnson. I'm sure the coaching staff has a lot of confidence in him. So it's it's at least in a game where if you're going to miss Poyer, you'd much rather miss him in this game than against Kansas City, than against Tennessee. Uh, you, you hope he's back and ready to go, though, next week. So that's interesting. And then offensive line, you know, Ike Butker obviously makes the most sense. Uh, to replace John Feliciano dealing with that concussion issue. But we said it, you know, there's a lot of options on this team, Matt. Uh, You have guys like Ryan Bates that are waiting in the wings that can play all across the line. Uh, We've talked about Ford and his struggles this year. It's really interesting to see how this is all going to play out on Sunday and then obviously for the rest of this year as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested. I tweeted it out, you know, what the Bills do 
at offensive line, I think is going to be really interesting. I think Butker offers you, we saw that him and, you know, Feliciano and to a lesser degree, him and Ford, you know, cycling through during training camp a little bit. And so I think that if you're talking about like, you know, you, you need a starter this week, John Feliciano's out, it makes a lot of sense to just consider that, you know, Ike Butker will, will, will get in there. You know, I think that the further you look down this line and there's some questions, there's some questions with Cody Ford, you know, a guy going into the year that I, I felt like this was a, a, a big um, season for him. He starts off with two pretty decent performances and you, you're kind of expecting him to kind of, you know, trend upwards. And then he has just falls off of a cliff a little bit in, in this last game against Washington. And I think that, you know, it's issue. you know, Sean McDermott was asked about uh, Daryl Williams today and, and how he's played so far. And he said, He's liked a lot of things that he's done, but also did mention the fact that he's got position flexibility. He's played guard in this league before. So to think that Cody Ford is just, you know, guaranteed that spot, I think would be, you know, um, you know, kind of head in the sand type of attitude because there's also a guy, the rookie Spencer, Spencer Brown, Ryan, we're a month removed from him looking like an absolute stud in the train in training camp. When do you get to a point if you're the bills saying like, we got to get a look at this guy. Not only for this year, but you look long term. This he's on a rookie. This is year one of a rookie contract. You have three cost effective years to come with him. Daryl Johnson, listen, Daryl Williams, you can move on from him really next season if you wanted to. I think it will come with about five million in dead cap over two seasons. Not ideal. I think he hangs around in some way, shape, or form. He doesn't have a, a super expensive contract. But a guy like Spencer Brown is a guy that you want to find out about early rather than later. And I think Ford is a perfect example. I feel like they've been waiting and waiting and waiting for him to come along. And I still think we're sitting here in year three with plenty of questions about him. Yeah. You know, the, the response from Sean McDermott about Daryl Williams having position versatility, it's a little bit of an eyebrow raiser. It's, it's interesting uh, because how many times Matt, have we heard in his tenure, the best five will start or the best guys will start on this team. If the Bills have seen enough from Spencer Brown in practice, from training camp, from the preseason, and they think he is one of the best five and you can get him on the field at right tackle and you can kick Daryl Williams inside to one of those guard spots, you know, that on, on paper, if Brown is the real deal, that's a really intriguing offensive line. You know, we saw him last week just absolutely manhandle uh, a Washington defender trying to come in on a play. And, and again, it's one play. It's one sample size. We also saw uh, Brown, I think, face plant once in the preseason. So, I mean, there's right. good and bad in those w- small sample sizes. But we also said a few times here. Brandon, tonight, Brandon's in here calling us out. You guys dogged uh, Spencer Brown in camp on the days he was bad. We did dog mm-hmm. him <laughs> because yeah. I'm not going to sit there and watch a guy play poorly or perform poorly, whether or not he's a, a rookie or not and lie about it. The guy wasn't very good and on a lot of days of training camp, but you know what? It looks like some of those early battles in camp, you know, helped him develop to a certain extent. He looked outstanding in training in, in that preseason game, Ryan. Yeah. And, you know, I think I know exactly what he's talking about. I want to say a few days after those practices, he started to bounce back and he put together some really good performances, some strong performances that we praise. So you're right. You go with you say when players are looking good, you say when they're looking bad. And he looked a lot more NFL ready than his counterpart that the Bills drafted later in the draft in the fifth round at tackle. So when you weigh everything, when you look at everything, he's had more experience now between practice reps, preseason. He's going against some really good defensive lineman on his own team in these practice scenarios. So get him out there against the Houston Texans team 
a game where I, I think, you know, you're expected to win pretty comfortably, get him some reps and see how he looks because long-term he is going to be your answer at right tackle. Interesting uh, tweet just now from Ed Oliver. Uh, Today was a great day. A smiley face emoji with the cowboy hat on. And, you know, Ed Oliver came out in game one this year uh, and was a game wrecker. He's the, that was the closest thing I've seen from Ed Oliver, you know, in person live first watch to what we saw in Dallas, his rookie season. And, you know, you, you think that, you know, he's on, on pace to, you know, maybe start to have that breakout that everybody's waiting for years. And I thought that the last two weeks have just been okay. I mean, they've been fine. And so Sean McDermott was asked about Ed Oliver and where he's at in terms of a pass rusher. And he said, I'm excited about watching Ed Oliver this weekend versus the Texans. He said, there's some growth there. Not all of it's been, I'm sure, the way he wants it to be to this point, or we need it to be, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, also said that that also goes for the whole defensive line. We're, st- we're continuing to figure out who we are as a team. But I think that this is a game where it could be another one of those confidence builders for Ed Oliver. I, I think the interior of the offensive line for Houston is a bit suspect. I think that there's opportunities there. Um, and, and, and Harold Fuller, I, I want you to chime in on Ed Oliver here, but I think Harold Fuller on Twitter or on uh, YouTube also brings up a good point. Does this open up the door for Boogie to be active? F.E.O. Bada dealing with uh, the injury, obviously Harrison Phillips, uh, still, uh, you know, in the mix there as well. I don't uh, see Boogie Basham being uh, game day active quite yet. I still think the numbers in front of him at the edge position when you're talking about Hughes, Addison, Rousseau, and Epinesa, I don't think that there's necessarily that need, especially with you know some of the the the, the defensive back situations with with Poyer and, and Taron Johnson being hurt. They might want to get a little bit heavy at that spot. Yeah, you know, first and foremost, Ed Oliver, he, he's had his moments. He's flashed at times. It's just the consistency part of it. And that's what the Bills are kind of waiting for. And it's what Sean McDermott was alluding to. We, we've seen him improve. We just need to, you know, he's just not where we expected him to be at yet or where he expects to be at at this point in his career. So it's up to Oliver now to, to string these games together, these impressive performances, which I think he has the ability to do. I think this is a, a team where he can get some, uh, pressure from the inside against Houston. And, and who knows, maybe playing against these teams from Texas is like a internal motivation for him because of how well he played against Dallas and going up against maybe the Texans this weekend. Maybe there's just something there about wanting to uh, look strong, being that former University of Houston player, uh, wanting to show up and, and show big against these other teams that were from, you know, obviously play in that area in the NFL. I don't know, but I, I do like him in, in this matchup. Speaking about Boogie Basham, no, I'm I'm with you there, Matt. I don't see this game being it just yet. You'd almost have to see one of those players in the top four of the rotation be kind of banged up and be someone that, while they might play, but we want to have an, a guy waiting in the wings uh, to, to perform, and whether that's F.A. Obata when he's healthy or, or Boogie Basham. Boogie's time will come. He'll get his chance at some point this year. But right now, with your top four, you want to get those reps, uh, a lot of the reps to your younger guys that you think are going to be starting possibly next year in Epineza and Greg Rousseau. So get them the bulk or the lion's share of those reps with Jerry Hughes and Mario Edison, who are obviously up there in age and getting closer to being out the door uh, and maybe elsewhere in 2022. Tops friendly markets from hot to go pizza and appetizers, signature fried chicken, bibs and subs to delicious salads and brownie trays. Tops has everything you need to feed the hungriest fan. And I think that this defensive line for the Buffalo Bills is going to be hungry on Sunday, Ryan. 
Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. Looking at the, the film of Davis uh, Mills, they've, they talk very complimentary of him. Anybody that we've talked to this week and we asked, you know, we, we talked about it with Sean McDermott had to think, say about him earlier this week. Uh, Micah Hyde, uh, you know, kind of went in the same direction. As you've looked at um, Davis Mills this week, what stood out to you on from that experience? Because I think that, listen, I think there are some things to like about what he does. He's tall. He can, he can, he's got some decent vision when he's given some time. I think he's a little bit, you know, he's a little bit too fidgety for me in the pocket. And I think that's led to some inaccuracy. And I think that in this environment, he's going to struggle, but this is a game where, you know, you also got to think of the other side of the coin. He comes in here. Everybody's expecting them to get blown out. 17 point dogs, young quarterback who nobody expects anything out of toot toot. I hear the train in the background. You know, this, <laughs> that, that this train, could, there we oh, go. You, you know, it's Friday night preview time during the season when we hear the train. Oh yeah. Let it go. Let it go. Here we go. Um, yes. This is this is why they that's it's why like they third in. down. It's like third down <laughs> at Highmark Stadium. The the train horns are blowing. I'm telling you. I advice for anyone watching right now, don't buy a house near train tracks. There's there it is. Some free advice for you all. Oh, unbelievable. Um, you know, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but Davis Mills. You know, I watched it. He, he had some nice throws in, in the game against uh, Carolina. He had a, the touchdown uh, toss as well that I thought was a nice throw. But they really didn't open things up for him. It was very uh, safe throws, uh, quick, you know, quick reads, things like that. They say they're opening things up for him this week. And like you said, you're coming in as a seven, almost a 17-point underdog. There's no real pressure on you. You can come out there and kind of, you know, sling it around. And he has some decent wide receivers. I I think Cooks is actually a very underrated wide receiver. Uh, is that your put, Texans? Is that your Texans uh, player that scares you? Yeah, it is. All right, Cooks. All right, because talk about that little segment that we're going to do here. Yep. So we're we're going to talk about one player on the Texans that kind of scares us, and it, and it's uh, Brendan Cooks for me. I, I just feel like he's someone that he gets traded every year, every other year. It feels like to a team, and it doesn't matter where he goes, he still puts up about a thousand yards receiving, regardless of the quarterback. Now, mind you. Last year, he, he performed really well. He had Deshaun Watson. He's had Tom Brady. He's had uh, been a part of, of the Rams offense. So he, he hasn't been sitting there on uh, the Detroit Lions or some of these teams that are among the worst in the league or anything like that. But he's just someone that no matter where he goes, he performs. And I think that he can be a reliable target or weapon on Sunday. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how the Bills match up with him. Is Do you put Trey White on him exclusively? Uh, do you just kind of let him roam wherever he goes and, and go with whoever's on that side? He's my one guy that I, I guess potentially scares me on the Texans. What about you, Matt? You know, I'm going to go a little unconventional, and I don't think he's scaring anybody these days. But Mark Ingram, he, he's had some pretty good career success against the Buffalo Bills in two career games. His teams are 2-0 and against the Bills. He's run 36 times for 181 yards and three touchdowns, uh, averaging uh, 18 uh, attempts per game. 90 yards per game. You know, I, I I think it was the New Orleans Saints game. I think one of them was when he really ran the ball pretty well. I think there's only one team uh, that he's been better against uh, in his career, and that was the San Francisco 49ers in five games. So he's somebody that, you know, you know he doesn't strike fear into you anymore. But I feel like with this Bills, this Bills defense here, 
you know, I know stars back and I know they've been really good at the, uh, against the run to start the season. And I don't anticipate that, um, Going back, and there's a good point here by Nick uh, Nick G here on YouTube. Uh, Mark Ingram doesn't have the Saints O line this time around, and that's completely a, f- a fair take. Uh, and and he's older, and, and and we're talking about what four or five seasons ago. Uh, but you know, it's it's tough, I and mean, there's not a lot of skill players on this Houston Texans team that you know strikes fear into your heart. They 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 go out there and they rely on on three three tight ends. I think Farrell Brown is, is the top guy on their depth chart, and you're sitting here saying man, I, I don't know where they're getting their offense from. Yeah, it's a fair question. And, and listen, if the, the Bills build a big lead in this game, then you could get some some nice Davis Mills garbage time stats where his performance looks a little bit better than what it really is. But I think the D-line is going to be pressing on him. They're going to get some pressure. You're going to see him fidgeting around in the pocket a little bit, making some bad throws, just like the Bills did to, to Heineke last week where he threw really bad interceptions to Poyer and Hyde where both guys were just kind of waiting there for the ball uh, and made a nice little break on it last minute. I think they can force some turnovers, whether it's via force fumble on a sack or it's interceptions. Uh, I just don't see how the Texans can keep up with this Bills offense. Even if the, even if that's a downpour, I think the Bills can move the ball through the air and on the ground. Um, this is a much different Bills team from 20, you know, than the, than the team Houston saw in 2019. And from Buffalo's perspective, man, this is a completely different Houston Texans team than that 2019 squad. So in a good way, if you're a member of the Bills, this is a great matchup for them. Uh, It's hard to imagine a scenario where they aren't ready to play and they don't look great against this Houston Texans team. You know, John Herring Herring on uh, YouTube said his only concern is looking past Kansas City or looking past Houston to Kansas City. And, you know, I. I was asked about that on a Houston radio hit myself today about, you know, is there any chance they're looking for any glimmer of light, uh, you know, in the weekend for this game? And they said, is there any chance that they fall into that trap game situation? And it's like, I I just don't think that Sean McDermott is wired that way. I I almost feel like the attention to detail this week somehow is greater than it is for some of the big time games that they play elsewhere because he knows it's necessary. I watched him up on the podium today, Ryan, he looks absolutely exhausted. I think he's been doing everything with his coaching staff all week to guard against that uh, because, you know, that, you know, I know they all talk, do, give it the lip service that, you you know, every team in this league can win on every, any given Sunday. But when you, when you look on the other side and, and some of the things that they're able to do or not able to do in Houston, I get, I get that fear. I just don't think it'll happen. No. And, you know, we've been working together for a long time. Cause the same question was asked my way, same response. There's no way Sean McDermott, lets them overlook this team. I even think there's a sneaky element of Josh Allen wanting to go out and kind of uh, exercise the demons, so to speak, Mm. against this team that he struggled against late in that playoff matchup and just kind of say, that's not who I am anymore. I'm going to, you know, and not run up the score necessarily, but show that he's much different than the guy that they saw in 2019. Um, so I just think that there's too many factors here, too many elements where the bills are just going to say, you know, this is another week that we need to win. We need to stack wins on wins. We need to go into that chiefs game with momentum, which, you know, the last two weeks outscoring opponents, 78 to 21, that's some momentum blow out another team here or have another convincing victory and roll into that Kansas city game with a lot of confidence and then, then let the chips fall where they may. I mean, if you're looking around the AFC East, or, you know, this weekend, it's, it's an opportunity. I mean, if the bills win this week, you know, the, 
the Patriots are obviously hosting the Bucs. Uh, the Jets are playing against the Titans, a two and one Titans team. That looks like that week one loss was an aberration. And then the Colts, zero and three, playing for their you know season. Really, you go zero and four, and the playoffs are really really tough. Uh, tough look down the stretch. You could be in a situation where if the Bills win this week and everybody else in the AFC East loses this week, I mean you're going to be sitting pretty in the division. And you know Kansas City's going to Philadelphia, and the Eagles don't look great. But sometimes this is a funny league. If Kansas City goes to one and three, I mean. You're talking about a completely different complexion of that game next week. And you got to take care of your business. And I think that they will. One last question before we get our predictions in here. And if you guys have anything else you want us to hit on before we get out of here, we'll go about another five minutes or so. We'll give our predictions at the end. Sneaky Bills offensive big time performance this Sunday. Who do you got? Zach Moss count. I don't know if he would. That count counts. Not. Okay, that I'm gonna counts. go. I'm gonna go Zach Moss. Uh, when when the <laughs> Texans were on the road this year against the Cleveland Browns, they let up 156 yards on the ground, uh, most of which went to Nick Chubb. Kareem Hunt contributed as well. I, I think, like you mentioned, uh, this is a Houston Texans team that does not tackle well. Uh, Zach Moss is not someone that shies away from contact. I could see him knocking some guys over, picking up extra yards, scoring a few touchdowns on the ground in this game, and. Uh, really kind of, I don't want to say taking a commanding lead as the, as the Bills is number one back because they, they've said they're going to ride the hot hand. But, you know, after being active in week one and having that one fumble, he, he's looked legit. He's looked like the real deal, like a man possessed. And I think he continues this week. Who do you have, Matt? So, uh, yeah, I was thinking about this a little bit. And, you know, I think I, I, I'm expecting like you are a huge game for um, Stefan Diggs. I just I, I think that uh, he's going to have a big game. But I, I think that's kind of cheating. Right. Like we did. We do players to watch every week uh, on the on the four pregame show. And Josh, mm-hmm. Josh Reed did uh, Josh Allen two weeks ago. And I'm like, come on, Josh, what are we doing here? <laughs> well, let's 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 dive into the to the 53 man a little bit. You know, who's somebody that I could sneaky have sneaky see having a surprise game especially if the bills go up big early jake kumaro had 13 snaps uh on offense uh in this past week's game and he's a guy that historically uh has made a lot of the opportunities when given to him and so i could see this being a game where the the bill brian dable maybe wants to stretch flex his muscles a little bit and and get jake kumaro involved gabriel davis brandon p brings him up i thought he's looked much better this week in practice i could see his snap count uh, getting up there, but I'm going to go with Jake Kumro because I think it's really off the beaten path. I've seen his, uh, his snap count grow here over the course of the season. As a matter of fact, you know, it, you know, we got the stats right in front of us. How about, uh, how about we just go to it here and see where uh, his snap count has been on the season. So he went from three offensive snaps against Pittsburgh, five against Miami, and then 13 last week against Washington. Now I know part of that has been Gabriel Davis. They're wanting to kind of limit him a little bit, but I could see, you know, getting him, getting him involved. He's a guy that, you know, is they're big fans of him in the locker room. And so I think that that could be, you know, that, that heave half court shot. I'm trying to bring something different to the table. Ryan. No, I love it. And if I'm going to go deep, deep down, I'll throw Reggie Gilliam in there as well. He's someone that had a deep ball target a few uh, last week. He's someone that if the bills have a big lead and you, you don't want to, risk injury to Moss or Singletary. He could be that goal line back for the Bills. So maybe Reggie Gilliam puts up a sneaky little stat line here on Sunday as well. So I'll, I'll go deep, deep there with Gilliam. Yeah. Color me not shocked that you brought you went with Reggie Gilliam. I know that uh, he's uh, a tail bit regular, a favorite. 
Uh, no, I just I tease, but uh, Ryan's done a, did a great story on on Gilliam uh, last year. Definitely go Google it and read it. Charles G asking, has anyone asked uh, Sean McDermott why they only protect three practice squad players? I don't think so, but I don't think it needs to be asked. I think it's pretty obvious. They protect the players that they want to make sure that they're not losing. We mentioned it on the last show. I think if Jack Anderson was still on the roster, there would have been four protected players. I think that they want to give themselves the opportunity to go with, you know, an offensive lineman, uh, a safety. I know they like Josh Thomas a lot. They like Cam Lewis a lot. Those are usually going to be the guys from there. I just, I think fans and maybe even the media to a lesser degree overvalue practice squad players, you know, where I think, you know, a lot of times GMs are, are scouring the waiver wire. They're the free agent uh, pool, you know, other teams who are kind of cutting players, you know, they're always kind of tinkering with it and thinking about, you know, the next guy in here, you know, so I, I'm not, I guess, long story short, I'm not surprised that they, they, even if they were to protect one or two players, I, mean, I just think that that's the player that they, for that week, really like looking at their 53-man roster, who who do we feel can help us if we need them on game day? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. And, and I get it. Teams can protect four, but if they don't feel the need to, just stick with the three guys that you, you don't want to risk losing at this point. Later in the year, maybe there's someone that comes along, develops a little bit more than they anticipated, and maybe that person does end up getting protected but right now they just don't feel the need for it got some sabers uh score updates in the comments here on youtube which speaking of which if you're watching they're on YouTube, losing <laughs> the, the sabers oh brand new and i can't can't we ta- that we talk about this all the time ryan i my wife bought the best the best podcasting chair it's like a bar stool like See, it's kind of like a bar stool, like Like yeah, Yeah. right. It's like it's awesome. It's like it's you can kind of move around in here. It's like really nice. But the great thing about it is it's got this like kind of like this back. And after every episode, you always see me like leaning back, and I just crack my back. And I'm like, it's just amazing. A little off topic here, but um, (laughs) on YouTube they're asking about Bobby Hart developing. No, we're not getting into that. (laughs) All right, so enough Sabers talk. Enough back cracking. Prediction time, Ryan. What do you got for us? 40 burger bills win 42 14 josh allen and, and stefan Diggs are on Diggs goes for over 150 zach moss two scores on the ground aj apanaza gets his first sack of the season and a forced fumble wow you got real specific real I quick did. mr talbot I did. all right i'm gonna go 37 buffalo bills to 13 Houston Texans. It is a drubbing of the highest order. And I'm only going with 13 because I think there might be some garbage time points. And I think uh, when this happens um, is always when the score predictions are way off. You know what I mean? Like it, it might still be like a lopsided game, but I just think that like, you know, that score will end up being closer somehow. I don't know. And Harold Fuller keeps bringing this up. And am I the only one that thinks Cole Beasley got the Matt Perino haircut? No, that, he did not get the Matt Perino haircut. Like, first of all, he's got like, he almost kept like a real significant flow up top. Like he's got like a heavy amount of hair on top. If you look up to it close, I get like a real thin cut and I, and it's very styled. Cole likes it to kind of like, you know, move in the wind. I saw him running routes out there today. So no, we're not, um, the cuts are not the same, but listen, I don't blame Cole. I'm actually impressed that when he first signed with the bills in 19, he was just, uh, he had just cut his hair. I think a few months before that. So he's been growing that out for a solid, you know, this is the third season now. 
that's got to be heavy after a while, right? Yeah, you, you would think I wouldn't know, but you, you know, you would definitely think that'd be the case. I don't have to worry about uh, too much heaviness on the top here, but uh, he's going to be more aerodynamic for this game. So you're, you're going to see him uh, pick up his 40 time a little bit on Sunday. Do you, um, what happens if Ryan Talbot grows his hair really long? What happens? It's not good. It's not great. You, you can already see. Look, I mean, I have like the LeBron James hairline. It just keeps going up <laughs> higher and higher every year. So I just like uh, break out the razor once a week. I'm going to start wearing headbands everywhere I go to like make it look like it's not as bad. So no, you don't. The people don't do you have any? Do, do you have any pictures laying around I'll, of? I'll find hair? one. I'll find okay. one. Okay, that's. I feel like that's the content that people really. Um, <laughs> come here for. So I'd like to see that next week. All right. Uh, so we got our predictions in. We are headed to game day. Make sure you uh, join us after the game. Usually two or three hours. I, although I think we're going to probably go a little bit earlier on Sunday, Ryan, because I want to get home, uh, get in front of a TV and watch Brady versus Belichick. Uh, and so we'll probably try to get that done, uh, depending on how crazy uh, a game we cover on Sunday. If you're hosting a large party this weekend, check out Topps' huge selection of party platters for a delicious, effortless, and affordable, no-stress way to impress. For complete details, stop by their carryout cafe or visit topsmarkets.com slash fantasyfoodball. Thank you so much for watching. Hit that like button. Subscribe. Ryan, they got two days left. Where do they need to go before Sunday? Where do they need to go? You got to hit up that billboard. I believe 291 Chicago Street. Did I get that right, 291 Chicago Street. 291. Go get that picture with the billboard. We're getting a lot of entries here. Uh, Someone said before the buzzer last night because there was a late night picture. Loved it. Go get those pictures. We have a great competition going on right now. Some shout shirts. We have a guest podcast uh, winner that will be drawn here pretty soon. And then grand prize, wings, beer, Matt Perino, Ryan Talbot. Place of your choice. Make it a good one. No Pizza Hut wings or anything like that, people. Make it a good spot. Whoever wins, we're looking forward to it. Look at this guy, Matt Harmon, going <laughs> big time. He goes from, I think he had an eight hour drive to get to the billboard. And when he got there, and if you notice here, and I'm going to put, um, I think next week's show, Everybody that did a selfie is going to get their their picture on the show. And if you tweet it at me, I'll actually use your handle. So I'll give you guys some uh, some love. Matt Harmon here, if you notice, uh, he took his picture and he said, I call this one. Ryan Talbot blocked me first. And if you don't know, Matt Harmon is one of our regulars in the YouTube channel, right? And there's this feature that if, you know, if people are in there and they're causing trouble, you can kind of put them in a quick timeout. Or you can block them, which means they they can no longer watch your stuff. He meant to 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 mute somebody, and he ended up Ryan did, and he ended up blocking Matt Harmon, one of our most <laughs> regular. So we had to do like go crazy and figure out how to how to undo it. But he made the eight hour drive to get the shout podcast uh, selfie, and I think it looks good because he's 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 in the picture with me, Ryan. There you go. I'm gonna I'm gonna Photoshop like a bird coming out of this nest here that he has going on. <laughs> great stuff you guys are so awesome thank you so much for all your support we will see you on sunday uh houston buffalo 1 p.m see you then shout a buffalo football podcast hosted by matt perino and ryan talbot